0: Yo, take it personal. You're checking out Take It Personal with my fam. Yeah, yeah, y'all. Checking out the Take It Personal radio show. Yeah. yeah boy Fowl March, you already know what it is, right now you're checking out the Take It Personal show, nothing but the real hip-hop, hop the way it should be, should be, yo, what's up, this is Cool Keep aka Dr. Octagon, and you're checking out Take It Personal with my DJ 360, DJ 360. full cypher for, for that ass, now I'm cool with my man, and law. man, Hevlar. 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 and my Hevlar. man, Hevlar. I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad, They, play, they, play. they playin' nothing but that authentic, classical, boom shit. Check, check them out, check them out,
1: check them out. Check, check it out. out, this is Marco Polo. Yo,
0: check this out, this is Soul Brother number one Pete Rock. This is DJ Premier, you're live and direct to the speaker. can oh, you check it out, take it personal. Take it personal. What up though, this is Merce Planet medallion. This is DJ Muggs from Cyber Hill. This is Dell, the Funky Homo Sapien. You are checking out Take It Personal. And introducing, in this corner, a hey, a hey, The hey, rock. one they call Aaron Wade. Yeah, Aaron Aaron my people. Weed. And over there, Roger D. announcer, that's it. No no famous, that's it. Roger D. announcer. Take, Take It, it personal. personal. When my people spinning that fly shit, you heard? Hip-hop, stay winning, Yeah.
1: Here's another exclusive interview on Take It Personal Radio.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest. He's under the weather, but he was uh, kind enough to honor his obligation, or I shouldn't say obligation, but his commitment to uh, doing the show, and it's none other than Murs himself. What up, Murs? Hey, hey, hey. Merz, what up? What up, though? Good to have you. Good to have you. Bro. What do you have, a cold or the flu? What's going on?
1: Yeah, uh, explosive diarrhea, <laughs> flu type thing.
3: <laughs> Lead <laughs> with
4: explosive <laughs> diarrhea. It's not
3: sexy, is what you're saying. <laughs> I hear an echo. Nah. You're, you, I, I hear that
4: echo. You're in the bathroom taking this interview. Ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> it, may, it
1: may happen. Be warned. It may oh, happen. Oh, uh, shit. I'm going to press people just so
5: you guys know. What's <laughs> I think. It's not sexy. It's,
2: no, it's not sexy at all. Well, look, there's so much we want to talk about. But I know for uh, you know, it'd be ideal for the listeners to kind of get reacquainted with you because you have such a you like you've been in the game for many years, what two decades at least, uh, more than, than that, yeah, a little, little over that. A little over that. I remember back in the day of IRC, Internet Relay Chat, which was a big thing, you know, uh, it was like Downnet, Undernet. That's where I discovered you. I, you know, I'm an East Coast cat, but I had a friend. Who sent me a for real? And I was like, Who is this? And then I know, like, maybe a year or two later, good music came out. I copped it off Sandbox. It was like a double disc. I'm like, Wow, this, yeah. this is this is really dope stuff. And and I don't know if a lot of you have like three types of fans. You have like the day ones, right? Yeah. Then you have fans that probably have been put onto you by maybe the collaborations, whether it's from Ninth or Slug or Terrence, or whoever it might be. You have those people that were exposed to you later on. And then you have like the new fans, you know, like the people that know of your music now, whether it's from, you you know, working uh, with Strange Music or this, the crazy collaborations you've done when, when you went to Warner Brothers. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you definitely have a few different types of fans.
1: Yeah, I, I always say it is like I don't really have any like um, MERS fans. I have like Strange Music fans, Aesop Rock fans, LP fans, Slug fans, Snoop Dogg fans, tech nine fan there are very few people if you ask them like oh who's your favorite rapper they'd say marsh it's always like oh yeah i know you because you do this or Lick at fans or grouch fans like they're all like i'm everybody's number two
6: how, did, how does that sit with you how do you feel about that
1: um i mean on, a, on an ego level it's like oh man you know at a young age and like young say, as a teenager, I kind of got over that, just, I was just like, you know, being the type of music I do, people don't, may not believe it or whatever, but like I was a kid from the neighborhood, man, so I didn't care what the fuck it was as long as I was getting paid and I wasn't on the block anymore, I, I didn't care a lot of a lot of i think underground rappers i know especially the black rappers because there's a glass ceiling for black indiax you know
3: and and hard, and hard to be a rapper with the name nick carter so you had to go right to an alias i'm sure oh yeah <laughs> uh, well no
1: no i was well, that's, that's that was rapping before there was a Nick carter i actually i was a huge keith Murray fan i thought damn just keeping my name would be awesome i'd gone through about three or four different names at that point and then I can't with Merce, and it's stuck. And then years later, I was like, "Oh, I'm glad I can't with Merce." Because Nick
2: Carter's not as unique as. I, know I was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Merce is what yeah, I, I read this, so I don't really know if it's true. But making underground raw shit is that is that what the acronym stands for?
1: Yeah, I think the original was making the universe recognize
4: and submit.
3: The Alien Days. Okay,
4: sounds like your your K R S One Days. Like Knowledge Range Supreme.
2: Dead,
3: dead knowledge Supreme will
4: <laughs> nearly <laughs> it,
2: You mentioned like there there's a ceiling for black underground rap artists and you were yeah. pretty like, like I said, you're pretty prominent back back in the uh, maybe mid to late nineties. And you you're from the LA scene, I have to imagine, you know, groups like freestyle Freestyle Fellowship, uh, Dell cube like all these all these acts were great influences on you guys especially you because you're you're an amazing storyteller how did you decide to stay in the lane that you're in for that period of time being exposed to so much hip-hop music and and, and different influences coming from la
1: um i think my story is more like the average person in the world but people don't want to hear fantasy whether they admit it or not you know you know just staying in my lane i felt like was also a paying respect to freestyle fellowship i grew up trying to rap fast like them and i grew up but i came up trying to rap fast like them and i said like what's the point of biting someone i think i love them because they're so unique what's the point of me trying to sound like them? and the same thing goes for ice cube like i can tell the same stories and definitely as like as we get older and we see you know, for me, the Straight Out of Compton movie was really good, but it was also an admission that Cube or Dre are nothing like what they rap about. Mm, right. Yeah. And they openly admit that. And for me, I, I'm definitely, my story is just as real as Ice Cube's. I could have enhanced that and sold that, you know? But I thought that was like the beauty of gangster rap was everyone told them they were going to fail you know it wasn't ever you know my mom swore up and down those kids would never make any money saying b and N and H on their records so no one wants to hear that mess
3: and did she influence you at all as trying to like stay in a different lane and, and take the respectable approach i guess
1: um but no my mom doesn't think my music's any more respectable it? It
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: because i'm currently just talking to my wife about that like she always says, like, well, why did you get this horrible potty mouth? You know, because I, once I got old enough, I was like, I'm going to do what I want and say what I want. If you feel disrespected, I'm sorry, but this is how I talk. So she was, you know, I was like, well, look at the men you married. You know, I was very into street guys who didn't wash their mouth around us. Uh, so, it was, it, you know, but yeah, my story, if she, you know, I, I think now that she's older, she could tell the difference. But back then, I might as well have been rapping about robbing someone. That's just as bad as that same bitch. doesn't matter why you say bitch. If you say bitch, you're a gangster rapper or a boy.
2: One of the things about you uh, that I appreciate, and I think this probably resonates with most people, is that you do come off very much real sincere heartfelt especially you know the latest album but even your earlier stuff like you weren't afraid to be honest and be judged you were just you like not many rappers going to talk about watching Ali McBeal but you did even though you watched (laughs) wrestling on the same night you know what I'm saying but we gotta talk wrestling uh,
1: (laughs) which oh yeah for sure
2: and and I think that's kind of what made you stand out to a lot of people. To me, I appreciated that because like you said, most rappers are not like what they come off as.
1: Yeah, I think more rappers did watch Holly McBeal than admitted to.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if they had a girlfriend, they did.
1: I wish I wish I could say that was the reason, but I, I would hide. Hide. If it wasn't me, I would definitely hide with you. But no, I just liked it. I mean, I was really a huge fan of Lisa Nicole Carson. Anybody that had that, that hair. Um, Mel B, Lisa Nicole Carson at the time. Groove Theory, Amel LaRue um so, so like you know she she got me into it she was also one of the few you know black women that were her. her she was authentic you know in her look she wasn't holly berry
6: merce have you have you seen that show all american on cw right now
1: i can't watch it bro as much <laughs> as i want to i can't watch
6: there's a good well the reason i bring it up there's a girl on there that looks exactly like what you're describing like the mel LaRue, that that whole look like Chris Summers, look from- just
1: like them. Yeah, you, you, would approve. <laughs> okay, I gotta check it out. It's just so bad when they film a show in Los Angeles and they can't like get, it authentic. get, get authentic, authentic yeah. and crimps. <laughs> Once upon a time in the black part of the city, okay, it really like hurts my feeling like there's Offensive. people who are here committing really real crimes that you could probably save their life by giving them a role. Good point. But uh, yeah, no, nah, yeah. I wish I, I wanted to watch it. I like the storyline because I love Friday Night Lights. And, uh you know, the movie, I've seen the movies. Uh, I don't even you know. I've never seen the movie. I read the book and watched the show.
3: The show was great.
1: So I, I was, when I saw the premise, I was like, oh, dope. Bloods and Crips and Friday Night Lights. I'm in. Yeah. On
3: the flip side, I've been watching The Village, man, all about, you know, kind of New York. It's it's actually a great show. I don't know if you peeped that yet. No, what is it on? It's uh it's on regular cable. So, was it was like 250
4: regular cable channels. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's on regular cable. It's
3: on it's on a- I think it's ABC or NBC, I'm not sure. It's actually really good though. Is it is about the village in New York? Yeah, basically about the West Village, about different uh, you. Yes. you know, yes. different age groups and so how they cool all kind of intertwine. Cool. Very it's very political. It's got a little bit of social issue in there. It's it's actually quite good.
1: Does it take place now, or like the Fat Beats era?
3: Well, it's not. It's not from a hip hop perspective yet. You know, from what I've gotten into.
1: So there's a chance there could be a Fat Beats cameo.
3: There might. You never know. Orca will be downstairs selling his CDs on the street. You know, trying to get yeah. People. <laughs> well,
2: well, speaking of Fat Beats, here's a segue. Let's now bring it to the Def Jux era. Um, let people know how how that came about. UNLP. Obviously, you dropped uh, the end of the beginning. You put out some really great material. You were on some great collabos. I remember, uh, the, what's that? rjd 2 uh, Final Frontier. You were That's on, when, that a that great one. That's yeah. when
4: we were playing a lot of your shit, Merce, on Philip Flava's show when we were doing, uh, that college was, radio. Yeah, it's like 2002, three. Yeah, so how, was, how that did that right, come about? That was about, right in our wheelhouse.
2: That, that, uh, that relationship.
1: Um, there was, oh man, first time I went to New York as a rapper, a uh, quote unquote rapper, we did Rocksteady Jam, um. I think at rock city park and uh, i was like the mystic journeyman's uh the guys who founded living legend for those who don't know uh it was kind of like their i don't know what to say there like i was like a pit bull like i was a freestyle battler
3: you were the secret weapon
1: yeah kind of i wouldn't say secret because i wasn't valued like a secret weapon because it was like a, a like a show like a show pony kind of thing mm go out this is our little homie go out there and do that thing you do you know what i mean like the one guy in the breakdancing crew that can do like aerial maneuvers they you know
3: or the or the little like <laughs> seven-year-old that comes out and like wows. The yeah crowd. exactly because <laughs> i couldn't really break
1: i couldn't really rap yet you know but i could freestyle my ass off so they're doing rock steady jam and uh the sound went out in the park the beat stopped playing and uh they're like oh Bring out Mercy, and so I just started freestyle acapella. And that was right when the Obey Your Thirst commercials came out, Caris on 1 so I started shitting on Caris won because of that. <laughs> Which I was way out of line. I was, <laughs> <laughs> you, Shit. Know?
3: you remember what you said? Nah, I don't know.
1: And then <laughs> everybody went crazy. You know what I mean? Then we were supposed to do the Gavin with CoFlow Flow in a couple months, and we saw them walking through the park because they were on next and Lynn and, Justin and them So I went up to LP and all like, y'all, Mercy from Living Legends. Like, oh, word, word, word! Yeah, we're gonna be out there in Cali. But I said, "Yo, able get there." Here's my tape, and that was it. Huh. And then we got to Gavin and Elle had actually listened to the tape, and he's like, "Bro, who said this?" And on the table. Who's this? And I'm like, oh, that's me and my boy So I'm like, "Y'all are dope." I was like, "Cool." Then we all went out to Denny's, and uh it's like uh, we went to Denny's, and it was like the white rapper convention. It was ECILLA LP Soul. Say I f- friends like I oh, was like, yo. God. And then we almost <laughs> like with me, L and A were hanging out and then I think we almost got in a fight. He drank whiskey and like smoked cigarettes and shit that I like just kinda of was into. So uh we just we're we we're, we're just cool and like he like we almost got in a fight and he was down to fight. You know, Aesop jumped a Aesop's a black hole from Living legend not
2: A-Sop Not Aesop Rock. Aesop Rock. Rock, yeah.
1: Rock was a thing. And uh jumped Um, He jumped up and snatched a branch off a tree, huge branch, started swinging at the kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some San Diego dudes. Um, But yeah, but El was with the bullshit. And I was like, man, I love this guy. And uh, from there, we just like, whatever it was, you know, whiskey, strip clubs, whatever, we were always together, you know, if we were in town. And then he actually asked me and Aesop if we wanted to put out records on Jux. He said, uh, um, Aesop, I don't know what happened with Aesop, but I was like, hell yeah. There was, you know, I just you know I lived at his house in Brooklyn, and we'd record. And Vass was there. You know, was, that was the the fraternity. I think everybody thought it was. It was really
2: that. Yeah, they were huge during that time. Yeah. And I gotta think he gave you like carte blanche on the album. You worked with you worked with a lot of people. You worked with uh, Blockhead and Dibs and Ant. Obviously, went on to produce one of the Felts. Uh, oh no, did I mention that? I mean, so you, and of course LP. So. That was kind of where you started working with different producers before we got into, you know, before we, you and Ninth and more that indie style. Yeah, so that that's a cool that was a cool transition because I know again going back to your fans. So like you had the day ones of people that remember you from the, you know Three Melancholy or like you said uh, the early Living Legends type stuff, and then you progressed and you put out the album on Death Juck. <laughs>
0: Feel free to hate me and to doubt me But until you stood behind my plate And peep the way I truly swing You can never out me See opinions are like rap careers Everybody's got one And most amount to zip Even less if it's a hot one like them radio songs That make us sing along Cause the beat is real heavy And the look is real catchy Make you nod your head steady And you don't feel sketchy Till you're all by yourself And you riding around And all of a sudden realize How stupid it sounds Mainstream or underground away way team move down it boils down to the facts whack is whack can be can hold shack and the party ain't a party if you don't bring a sack or your own 12 pack or this 12 on the wax i detail every track
2: and then what like a year maybe two year or two later or a few years later you got s- snatched up by warner brothers yeah which is crazy so that that's a huge jump i mean on it's warner brothers so let's Tell me about that. I mean, that's a that's almost as big big as it gets. And on that album, you had Snoop, Will I Am, and not many people realize this, but fucking DJ Quick mastered that album. You worked with Quick. You had like these eighteen hour days with him. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. So there's so much to talk about. So uh, let's let's go. I want to hear did, about Quick. Yeah. How did the <laughs> Warner Brothers thing come about? Tell us the about Quick, because we right now Wade is rocking a Quick shirt. What does that say? says DJ Quick is in the motherfucking house. Yes. So we want to oh, hear man, about that's that. That's amazing. Man. I need a picture of that shit. <laughs> All right, take send, one. Take I'll, a picture, I'll send, send you one it right now.
6: Put it on, put on IG. My wife
1: made it. Oh, that's dope. Oh, that's real dope. Man, yeah. That was um, a time where, yeah, where I, I did really well in sales on sales in the beginning. And, uh, that was the time also like, where I didn't, where I didn't get it, but I was like, I cried my first week's literal, literal tears at my first week sales. I was like, "Man, this is a failure." I had so much high expectations, and of the beginning it just kept growing and growing. And then uh, I hated three sixteen when we finished it, and then that did better. And it started shitty first week. And I'll, I remember being pissed because it could, didn't come out on three sixteen because three sixteen fell on a Tuesday that year. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I was pissed at Death it. Jokes um, I can still remember sitting in my Cadillac like in my mom's garage and my mom's driving, being like blame at our label manager like what the fuck why can't I release it? Is that you have two choices in March, is the twenty third or or the ninth. And I was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> How can that be? We have a small distributor and they had two weeks in the month where they would be able to release through the record oh. stores and traffic and-
6: Alright, I have to ask you this. Three sixteen is that like a Steve Austin. Yeah, of thing? course.
2: It is a huge it it wrestling right? guy. No, it's my birthday No I'm oh that's your you birthday that's yes, right. your birthday by, by the way, way. yeah yeah uh, you you're our age well, yeah man wade yeah. is a slightly older i'm Andre's 48 be, shut up i'll be 40 i'll <laughs> be 48 He'll i'll be easy. 41 uh, april 10th so yeah happy belated man that was a few weeks ago yeah happy pre-birthday yeah thank you man so so i, I really thought for some reason it was a, like a 360 I, I just made the assumption wrestling because you're know? a huge ref, wrestling buff why did I? I yeah, yeah, think yeah, that.
1: yeah. Yeah, it was. And I, I think it all came around the same time.
2: Yeah, that, that was definitely had something to do with it. And you had John Cena on a remix with like E4. Listen, that's Cena can rhyme, dude. Yeah, yeah. Him and uh, Bumpy Knuckles. Freddie Fox had a joint.
6: He still uses that song from 15 years ago as his ring entrance.
1: Because it's dark, one of on the beat is dark. It's all games, but this shit is no joke. The type of stage where the
0: millionaires are cutting your throat. They move quick, but I'm quicker. Seems stiffer in straight liquor. You fall by the wayside, I ain't gonna lay with you. Born to keep moving, proving I'm wrong. A straight hustler, stay true to the song. In the street, they pull to try to settle a beat. In the square circle, you feel the metal teeth
2: so i know we jumped because i said warner brothers but let, all right let's backtrack so the 316 you were pissed it didn't drop on the day you wanted but everyone loved the album i mean it was like it held it, it smacked everyone in the face it was like wow mers and ninth this was this, this was... single was fucking punching the grill
1: thank you man. yeah it was, it was yeah it was it was weird you know for him i think it's i think it's still weird for ninth it was weird for me you know my core I think you're talking about my different fan base my core fan base was pissed when I went to DeptJester oh you with the East Coast label mm-hmm. why aren't you letting the Grouch produce this and that and the funny thing is that Grouch and those guys would rarely give me beats it was like pulling teeth to get beats from those guys mm-hmm. and then when I did the ninth thing they are like why aren't you just doing a whole album with LP or Aesop Rock or Blockhead and I'm like because you guys didn't want me to do the last one and I like this guy and so, this, you know, and then, well, I guess the whole point was, like, it didn't matter when day it came out, and it didn't matter my first picked sales, because, you know, after that, like, it's my uh, barber, or used to cut a guy from Warner Brothers hair, and he called me, like, yo, this guy wants to call you from Warner Brothers, can he call you? I'm like, yeah, he's like, yo, man, let me know what you, and this is before I knew my ANR. and was, like, the kind of guy that just reaches out to everybody, because it's hot. At the time, we were selling, uh, like, you know, I think 316, was almost up to 70,000 records independently, and that was a 50-50 split with LP, with you know, a $5,000 budget to recoup. So it was I was making money, so I was like, I don't really care about Warner Brothers, you know? Mm. But it's nice that I know you guys are checking for me. Cool. But, and I now that I know, like, he wasn't going to sign me anyway. And uh, a couple years later, a year later, I got back from uh, London, recording the 3MG album. And I got a message from a guy named Paul Gomez, who I had been trying to get to sponsor me through Hurley. He was the vice president of Hurley. He's like, yo, take a meeting. I just opened up this label and it was the president of Warner Brothers' son and another kid that they had been given a boutique label through Warner Brothers called Record Collection that no one knew was distributed by Warner. And uh, I went in there and I told them, like, yo, like, he's like, just take He's like, I don't give a fuck. And I wanted this guy to sponsor me for Hurley because I was into skating growing up. And I started hanging out. When I got my first rap check, I moved out to Orange County. And I started hanging out with pro skaters, and they told me, like, oh, yeah. I was like, how many contests do you have to win every day to, like, afford rent? And they're like, we just get paid month, by month. I was like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, oh, my clothing company pays me this, and then my board company pays me this, and then trucks, wheels, and by the time that you added it all up they're making 85 100 K a month. And it didn't have to win oh, any no, contest.
3: Damn, I'm going into fucking skating.
1: Yeah, and I was like, yo, so your clothing company's like, yeah, and if I do an ad for my board company, but I'm wearing my clothing company t-shirt, I get photo instead of it, because they give me $2,500. But you're already getting paid to do the ad by your other company, and then the other company pays you if you wear your t-shirt that they're already paying you to wear.
2: Wow.
1: Triple dip. Yeah, so I was like, whoa. So then I went to LRG at the time. I was like, yo, check this out, man. I know you guys have pro skaters, and I went into their offices, and I saw the salaries of their pro skaters at the time. I was like, yo, I'm in way more magazines. I'm on TV way more than these dudes. When I do shows, there's way more than people that are at the in stores for skaters. Fuck, I can't get photo incentive. At least I can't get a salary like these guys. And they told me we don't pay rappers. <laughs> shit, why is that? Exactly. I was like, I was like, that has to be the most racist thing I ever heard. Bro. No
4: shit. That was that was Hurley. You said.
1: No, that was lrg was
4: but LRG. lrg
2: hey when was this
4: lrg was very Yeah, very to be a long time ago. ago yeah lrg
6: was yeah,
2: okay yeah oh three oh four they put out a few compilations too yeah, i think LRG, lrg was
6: a big deal back in the you know so they
1: don't want to
2: touch rappers early but they would put out music that that's crazy. yeah well
1: yeah they sponsored us we were one of like people used to think it started stood for legends research people. like living legends i've been wearing when they were just had t-shirts only we were mm-hmm. wearing that shit so we had grown with the brand and I had grown more so than anyone in the crew. Like, I'm like, yo, I'm like, you guys are coming up, I'm coming up, you know what I mean? I was like, why are we doing combo ads? like, why is there a Carl Watson ad in in double XL? Why wouldn't it be a Merce ad? That doesn't make any fucking sense.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And then why are you paying Carl Watson but you're not paying me? And we just, we just don't pay rappers, that's our policy. I was like, that's well, that's strange. pretty fucking racist, man. <laughs>
5: Even though that's like, they're paying the black
1: ska- Carl Watson is a black skater, but right. so yeah. I was just like, I was like I was like adidas Kangol, all the people back then um notoriously don't pay rappers and I was like you could be the brand and change that you know because Adidas had a skateboard team they paid their skaters but they didn't pay rappers
4: mm-hmm.
1: monthly fees and so you know I went to this long explanation like and it just ended with no we don't pay rappers click
4: and meanwhile, rappers did more for Adidas and Kangol than fucking anyone else back in the day. Between Run DMC so and LL Cool J LL. and all that shit,
6: right. LL synonymous with Kangol.
4: Then something happened with MC Shan today or the other day where he started going off on like Puma on hip hop and like how like they weren't he wasn't getting paid back by Puma, in the day, right? Yeah. He should have been getting paid by Puma.
3: Now, Murs, were you a World Industries dude back in the day with the skating? You know, always getting all the the, the cool shirts that back then before they kind of sold out went kind of mainstream.
1: I was into it. I wasn't getting a lot of the shit wrong, you know. I don't Well, the way the world industries was a little risque I was still living at my mom's house she
3: was you were still a little young. Yeah, they had the best shit though. I mean, whether it was fucked or all those crazy um they really were the the t-shirt pimps of the, the early days
1: yeah it was great man I, I wish I could have been and all that shit and
3: Fresh Jive was a great you know LA based you know company that just fucking moved man
1: yeah they, and they were one of the first people to offer me photo incentive when I decided to stop wearing LRG
3: yeah because they used Side as kind of their uh, you know I, I had the Fresh Jive tape that they sent around to all the record labels I was at uh, Capitol at the time and it, they had a whole Farside, uh, video videotape that, that was done and it was like all exclusive uh, rhymes and, and uh, it was like all behind the scenes shit. It was awesome. I need that tape. I never. I got it. Tape. Yeah, I
2: still have it. Actually. So speaking of awesome, let's get back to this DJ quick story. What is it like working with with one of the greatest producers of all time?
1: Yeah. So that, So yeah, I signed this boutique label. I get a early sponsorship, and then uh, the then they fuck me over and they're just dragging their feet. And they're just young. They're not bad guys. They're young. And they're making mistakes. It's pissing me off. So I go in there and do the Ice Cube crowbar. Flipping tables, chasing people around the office. Mm. They let they let me off the label. I call Sadiq from Rhymesayers like, yo, night doesn't. have his half the advance. I kept my advance. I didn't need their money. Can you give him the other half? And we'll get Murray's revenge. I'll put it out on Rhymesayers. He's like, sure. And that Monday, um, the president, whose son I threatened to beat up or threaten his life, probably, was like, yo, come into the office. I want to meet with you. So I go into Warner and he has every tape. He has Penguins. Three Yalakali Gypsies, PHS tapes, all on a desk. He's like, I know you are, I know what you do. What do you want? I was like, I just want to leave. And he's like, I can't let you do that. You, I signed Tupac. You remind me of Tupac, blah, 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 blah. I was like, all right, well, fuck it. If I got to stay, you know, as long as there's more stories and dramas, but I ended up under the same A&R that didn't really want to sign me from 316. And uh, he showed me the ropes and he was great. And then they opened up a half a million dollar budget. So I went. I recorded with Primo for that record. Les, mm. uh, I was doing a lot of stuff at KM, which is the old Death Row studios. Um, with Terrace, me and Terrace started working together, and this is before Terrace Smart was doing fifteen hundred or nothing. And we just had a who's who of LA come through, and then one day Dre said, "I'm working on Detox." Now, remind you this is, I remind you this is 2006, 2007, and we have booked. Two weeks solid at Can-Am all day for two weeks. They gave Warner Brothers their money back because Dre said he wanted the studio. And so we had we had to go to New York. And then when Warner Brothers was like, sorry for the inconvenience. We'll put, they put me up at the Wardorf. They're like, we'll pay for your time with Primo, whoever you want to go at the East Coast. Then I record for a year. They don't let me get off the road. So I'm spending this half a million dollar budget they gave me on every You know, I'm 3-6 Mafia-like. They're like, we'll fly you to Miami. We just found Scott Storch on a boat in Miami. <laughs> in Doing game. lines.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: literally. He's like, yo, like, he's crazy, but if you want to go down there, we just gave him you know, this much money for a production deal. He owes us 10 beats. You can have one of those.
3: Mm. He was making so much money at that time.
1: So th- <laughs> all that led to the album you hear getting down with a bunch of random producers and kind of it's kind of all over the place but Terrace was at the helm of it because Terrace and i knew each other from he's baby's mother's from my neighborhood um
2: you had knots on that album too that was kind of like before knots i mean knots is like the man now but you had knots yeah
1: knots was out out here i'll just say this a lot of great music you hear is ghost produced by Knots so nots mm. is in la frequently doing beats for the stars Wow. And when I say stars, not star rappers, so he happened to be in town, and he's such a down to earth and talented dude.
3: He's talented, dude. He's one, He's definitely the, that guy, right? I think now. he
1: lives in front of the beat machine, for
6: real. Yeah.
3: In the dark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, banging
6: out beats, manual.
1: to this day. And so Terrace had just did a lot of producing and writing on Ego Um, him and Problem and Bad Luck. Is while me and Terrace were doing. My favorite album—I don't know what asked me—but
2: my favorite album I ever done which is Melrose with Terrace Martin, which was trashed by like your fans. I remember online reading. Oh uh, yeah, I think, they hated it. I think yeah. the album cover alone probably made back- people run away. You had three tiers of family, and 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 your your day ones, were, I think, were pretty harsh when uh, when yeah. that album came out.
0: Yo, terrace. she only spoke a bit of English She was Persian or Armenian, I couldn't distinguish Smoking on a cigarette, port between the lips She had hips like a mannequin, I need to take a trip Put the tip of my tongue to the center of your soul Let your love for my mouth, then swallow it whole I got a Melrose fetish, a slut, I'm so pathetic All
5: this unprotected sex, I won't live to regret it on me yeah
1: so i i loved it uh me and terrace had a good time but this is an era where like you know you i go to Terrace's house and you could be like oh you know problem just left a problem sleeping in this room bad luck's in this room a scheme from is over here you know uh, uh you know td this like you know was, but this was oh you know oh seven oh eight before anybody was really on um and me and terrace just knocked out the album but at the same time he had found dj quick and dj quick mixed ego tripping for him he was helping dj quick get checks and no one was gonna say no to DJ Quick, mm-hmm. um, but DJ Quick was first shot. I think six months in solitary confinement. Um,
6: Damn, he was uh, in
1: solitary. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think you, when you cause enough problems, like cause I don't think he wanted to go PC as a as a quote unquote. I, he wanted to walk the main line, as they say. And for, for those not in the know, that's like if you're a rapper and you go to jail, they can put you in protective custody. Number one to protect you because you probably get number two to. Um, Save them paperwork because if you keep getting in fights they have to keep you know what i mean
5: yeah
1: it's a headache for the CEOs. I, I believe i've never been to jail but that's what i understand from my homies so i think they put dj quick in solitary for acting up mm, sure. um, quote unquote um but that's that's the that's the urban myth and legend and then uh, snoop dogg is uh, one of the rappers to like in his prime walk the main like, like when he went to county and jail or you know yeah for jail while he was waiting to trial him for murder he went in as a, as a Long Beach Roman 20s crip. He didn't go in there as Snoop Dogg.
5: Hmm.
1: Which which a lot of uh, every other rapper almost you hear has been a jail. I think like Spice One, Flesh and Bone, Old Dirty Bastard, Snoop Dogg, DJ Quick are the, the street legends I hear from my homies that were locked up around that time that didn't take PC. Hmm. So it's a, a big deal. Um, and maybe there's more. I'm just not plugged. I can't vouch for anyone else. But these are guys that went to LA County jail from every now and then.
4: I love Spice One's uh, Instagram page. He makes fun of fucking everybody. It's great. Oh wow! I didn't even know he had one. Oh yeah, he just shits on all these fucking like rappers today, like the fucking kiddos. What's it called again? Mumble uh, Mumble rap shit. shit. Yeah, Yeah. it's fucking hilarious.
2: So before we we deviate, from you got to tell us like one good DJ quick story.
1: Oh man, so many. Yes, yeah, so we like you said we are like 18 hour days
4: together. Is he is is he really always talking about pussy cuz he loves it? Black
5: pussy. Always talking
0: about it cuz I love it. Women get going up as soon as
1: they let me rub it. <laughs> nah, we had we had some wild nights, uh, that's for sure. Uh man, he may maybe um I was vegan at the time. And I've been on and off vegetarian since I was 16, so it was a long time. And uh one day he just came to the studio and was like, "Yeah, man, we left here at, you know, three three in the morning and I went home and I stayed up and I just made some chicken soup from scratch and then I gave my son a fade for school, you know, make sure he had his haircut then I took a nap and, you know, so I let this chicken soup marinate so I just brought everybody a bowl of chicken soup. I was like, the fuck? <laughs> the domestic he side. He did quick?
5: In the yeah, kitchen. So I'm, like, I'm not drinking
1: at the time. I'm not smoking i'm not eating meat but i'm like dj quick you know with that that, that meme if a two-year-old hands your phone, <laughs> you a phone to answer it doesn't matter how tough you are it doesn't matter how vegan you are if dj quick makes chicken soup yeah. you eat it. <laughs> damn was it good it was great wow
2: <laughs> dj quick and he's a chef. A, yeah he's a chef don't let eight hear this shit. It'll come out the start beefing with him again <laughs> they can yeah, eat I this think, i think i hope they're cool no
1: nah, nah, they, they are they are, they are. Yeah. But yeah on a on a technical level there's like uh, the dude that was our engineer was like, you know, it's, we did it in the, we mixed a record in the room. They mixed uh, "Crime 2001 and Marshall Mathers. was a famous room, famous board. Sure. And I'm like, yo, the guy, Quick kept telling the engineer to do this, do this, do this. And this guy, this kid lives in this room. He helped mix those records, you know?
5: Mm-hmm.
1: He's like, you can't do that. And like, Quick is like, that's why I know he's like a very authentic street person. Because when he, he doesn't get mad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he's like did the, he's a, the huge sigh and then got up and patched the shit himself. The kid's like, "Whoa!" He's supposed to know all this gear. And right. then mm-hmm. in the same session, I forgot which song. I have cuts on all oh, the science. He did the cuts on the science. It's one of my favorite tracks. He hooked own. up the turntables and did his own cuts, and then mixed it to reel-to-reel and cut the tape itself,
3: like you have to splice tape. The old tape. way, yeah, with the razor old blade. Old
2: way, with the razor blade. Yep. That's why he's one of the that's, greatest. That's,
3: that's true editing, I mean, you know. So he, he
1: mixed, cut on the song, patched the effects, like everything, himself. And I, me and the engineer are just sitting in the room like, oh, my
3: God. Was that a Neve board or an SSL? SSL. Yeah, because the Neves were so damn, like, they were so dominant. They were, like, so damn big. It's frightening. You don't even know what the hell to touch. But the SSL, look, if you didn't know what you were doing, man, it was not easy. Clearly that kid didn't because Quick had to show him.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Quick is, like, a, a genius in the kitchen. He's one of those people I think that he could be good at whatever he wants to do. He, yeah you know he's definitely a, a well well-known um street fighter as well you know <laughs> not the game but in real life yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and wait and a minute what
6: street fight <laughs> we, we, like he's, he's, the, the, knuckle, knuckle, he's it, the kimbo he's the knuckle life. up on the street
1: oh he, yeah yeah, no, yeah like he's known like growing up here like he's known like you know, I remember him performing at the El Rey and I missed the show, my home was like, oh yeah, some dude in the front row was claiming something, and he just got down in the front row and beat the shit out of him, like, it's just like, you see at the Source Awards, there's like footage of him in the background, like, he's not somebody you play with, you know? Shit. Um, yeah, first night, I, first day I was in the studio with him, like, there was a, a rival rapper in, in there, and uh there's like one way out of the studio, we were in the back room, and they blocked off the front room, and I was like... He just you know grabs a butcher knife like all right well this is it
3: you know what I mean he must be, yeah you know he's got a Bobby Brown build I would never think he could scrap
2: all oh right.
3: yeah man he's he's the one You're talking about <laughs> young
2: Bobby Brown not yeah like yeah now. no not, not
6: now old, like, no wiping Mickey's no. ass Bobby no I'm
3: talking about early Bobby Brown
6: <laughs> you know what it's those uh, thinner dudes with some reach that can throw yeah yeah that is some good ass well, storytelling the album, right there
2: the albums it, it, it's it, it probably. You know, means a lot to you. But how, looking back now in retrospect, are you happy with the way it came out? I know your your relationship with Warner Brothers didn't, well, from what I heard, didn't end so great. But with the overall product, I mean, were you content? Could it have been better.
1: I think it could have been it could have been better. Um, the one time in my life that Tech from Sway and Tech ever like really spoke to me out of the kindness of his heart, just called me and told me what was wrong with that. And I don't know what, why it was on his heart to call me, but he was very honest and very real. He's correct. He's just like, man, like you went in too many different directions.
5: Mm-hmm. He took
1: a silent step in every direction, but, you know, and as I got like at this point in my career, I know my lack of, you know, ultimate success has been not being able to be categorized. Like people like, you know, Jeff can make, make jelly, but you want them for peanut butter even though the jelly and the peanut butter are on the same aisle right next to each other you want welch's jelly and you want Jif to make your peanut butter you know mm-hmm. they try to make heinz ketchup green for a little while in the <laughs> early 90s late 80s and it didn't work because ketchup is supposed to be red you know
2: you don't want pepsi clear you want you want to see that the the, the dark cola zima never took well, off <laughs> was it <laughs> exactly was it the labels doing or was that kind of no I- that's a myth. I've never heard
1: of any label doing. That, that was one of the benefits being signed a Warner. Like I exposed that whole thing. The president of Warner had me at his house. I was like, we had Sweet Lord done. He was like, why don't you just put this out as your major label album? And I'm like, I didn't come to fucking Warner Brothers to put out a Mercy Knight Wonder album. You know, mm-hmm. like I want to spread my wings. No, no pun intended. for looking fly, um I want to. Try to get on the radio but being myself and he's like you say whatever you want to say In any interview you do whatever you want man like you be you i never heard a white person in a suit tell me to rap about killing my own people or anything but i saw many rappers turning in records like that repeatedly of their own volition looking for validation and
2: fame and money so that's interesting because i thought the misconception is that the label is kind of what puts you in a different I guess path and where you were your previous years. I mean, the collaborations with Snoop and, and Will, I am. That was possible, I guess, because of Warner Brother money. But the the intent behind it or the agenda, I think people thought, like myself included, that that was more or less the label uh, pushing you in that direction.
1: No, there's a, there's a, there's a also a fraternity. Like I didn't get acknowledged by not Snoop and Will, but
2: but
0: Shizzle dizzle
1: Until you're on a major label, there's certain black rappers that don't acknowledge you. I had a lot more friends and fans in the Mm -hmm. industry once I signed, period. Gotcha. It's like a a badge of honor. Putting out your own records, as we can see, in in, you know, now what is somebody tweeted today? I think there's no more gatekeepers, you know, it's just an open room. Um, And that's how they felt. Like, if you're not good enough to get on a major label, you're not good enough, Period and so that is what did it not but not the major labels weren't pushing me to work with anybody they didn't care who i worked with. so that was all you
3: and they really didn't have a pulse either of who's the come up and who was what you know even with ninth didn't they like tell you that he wasn't on their radar when when you were looking to uh to use him in the beginning
1: no Warner Bros. loved ninth uh def Jux told me def he wasn't Jux. on their
5: oh,
1: radar yeah. and I, that's i think people have it a little um Twisted, but, but I could like I came up under Tom Wally, who's a solid, solid ass dude. So maybe everyone else's major label experience is different. But um, you know, I don't think that uh, that that happens as much as people think. I definitely felt no pressure. I hooked up Will because we had been freestyling together since we were kids, and uh, I finally felt good reaching out and asking for a favor because I could pay him what he was worth, and he was happy to work with me because we knew each other, you know. So it's been a... And Snoop, the same thing. We've had the same manager. and You know, he knew my name. He had shouted me out on a record before. And so it was, you know, just getting the verse. But having the money to pay these people what they're worth definitely came from Warner Brothers, but it wasn't a suggestion from the label.
3: And wouldn't you also say what year you came out was kind of important? Because I think when you started to really surface, you know, people wanted that sound, that style. Now, I mean, if you... God forbid you came out today... Or during the Hammer era, I mean, labels were looking for completely different things.
1: Yeah, I think I was I was a part of the first uh think era of lazy A and No disrespect to <laughs> my A and R; he's a great dude. Um, right. But they were just watch who was selling. Like now, they look for views in your Spotify.
5: Right.
1: And then they have a conversation. No one's going out to shows discovering people anymore. There's no more development. And I was the first era of development and the first era of like. I won't name names, but there's lots of rappers that people think, oh, their mixtape blew up, but their mixtape was funded by the label. But the label wanted to make them look like they are independent. Mm. And that's why I was placed on record collection. Murray Revenge is on record collection, but it's distributed by Warner. But Warner didn't put their name anywhere on it, so people felt like it was still an indie artist. And then I was upstream to Warner Bros. like, oh, they discovered me on record collection, but it was all in the same system. That's interesting. And a a lot of rappers will put out their mixtape, but it's funded by a major label, and it look like oh, they blew up on their own, so fans feel invested in the brand, not like they were marketed to. Is that what happened with the game? Um, I don't know. That was the Interscope. That's a whole other building, and a very interesting building. I, I do not know a lot of stories from over there.
6: Because what you're describing, that that sounds like the game. Well, because the mix it, his mixtape was just flames, man. And then, and Same then it, 50, then so it like, went like, up
2: to Interscope, and it just made me think of that. You mentioned the paternity thing, like there. Once you got signed to a label, you had more more clout, I guess, among your peers. But at that time, you were also monumental in in, in putting together the paid dues tournament. that was your idea. I know you, uh, what Chang, I believe is his name, right? From from Rock the Bells, because we were a sponsor of Rock the Bells for many years. But the paid the paid dues was was your was your baby, and and you brought a lot of cats on the road. Uh, and for that yeah. alone I mean I'm sure that they were very appreciative of that uh, which only helped you know with your brand and, and, and like you said this fraternity of, of people that s- suddenly started to see your worth and, and, and the fact that you are now among the big boys sitting at the big boy table
1: yeah it was it was different I think you know that that happened a little later because was only only booked indie acts so the, the, the sign people didn't start to know me until Rock the Bells, and because Pay Dudes had a stage at Rock the Bells, but they still didn't know I owned it. It was like later that the older heads were like,
2: Oh, shit and you do this. But um, the younger kids, like the Mac Millers, like, Yeah, Pay Dudes was definitely in, instrumental in them. Well, Rock him was on a few Pay dues tours, if I recall. Little brother, he did one, he did one in New York, yeah, because he doesn't travel, he doesn't He doesn't fly, so that doesn't, was, he doesn't fly, he does not fly. Boot camp click. Um, but still, I mean, that, that was a pretty cool thing to put together and rock the bells was, I think between uh, probably 07, 08, those were maybe 09. Those were, those were huge. I mean, Kevin, I went to a few of those festivals and was, I mean, that was uh, that's like Woodstock for hip hop,
4: you know?
1: Yeah, I believe so. I think that, you know, rolling loud is doing his thing now. Um,
4: they're very different. So Rockham's on the Madden cruiser. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> fly. Oh yeah. The Madden cruiser. Oh shit. I was listening, uh, we were watching an interview
6: with you um, Left of Black earlier, and a really good interview, and um, I think you were talking about how you're, you're very cerebral and you're not really a beat person. Uh, you were talking about how you you know got together with Ninth and, and whatnot and weren't all that familiar with him. I found that really surprising because you have such a good cadence um, that goes well with the beats, especially with Ninth. Um, do you write to beats or do you write everything first and match it up to a beat how do you like to do that
1: I write to beats now um, but like I said early on in my career it was hard for me to get beats so I just had to have a book of rhyme and try to find beats that fit okay so it's um, a mix and match Into the beginning I started Into right the beginning is when I started writing to beats
6: so do you hear a beat now and it inspires like a concept or do you already have the concept and you try to find the right sound to match it
1: now um, very rarely do I have a concept Uh, Animal Style is one of the songs I had a concept for. And then I just waited until I found the right beat. But uh, other than that, it's usually the beat says something to me, as weird as that sounds. But that's why I I wait
3: for the beat. Well, this is what I was going to talk about. I mean, Aaron talked about being cerebral. I mean, I know a lot of people look at you and say, this guy's way too deep, you know, and both sides of the fence, white and black, you know, they probably run in a lot of instances. But... I, I I think you're too human, dude. Forget about being too deep. I mean, a lot of people got a lot of shit to learn from you. I mean, a lot of stuff you cover about life, just about living right. And it, it, I'm I'm in awe, man. I got to say, I props to that. And I think that you do you do a lot for for the human side of life. Most people don't know about that. Yeah, I
1: don't um, I don't think it's very, like I said before, I don't think, I think more people can relate to me, but most people listen to music, at least in this modern era, as as, an, as a form of escape. Escape, yeah. Um, so I'm definitely not helping you escape.
3: Well, for me, I, I'm, I'm a part of that revolutionary generation, you know, so if I can go back to Chuck D, if I can go back to certain albums that make me think, and at that particular time, I was very impressionable. Even KRS-One, I mean, I used, to, I used to watch him speak. He'd come in there and, and just speak from a, from a different side of things. And You know, at certain ages of your life, you're trying to work certain things out. I was kind of DJing at a very young age. Started around 1980 uh, in this world of hip-hop. I didn't know how to navigate, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of times, I, I looked at those particular people... And they were speaking to me uh, their own way, and that shit helped on so many levels. And I think that people aren't even, even ready for what you've been doing for the last you know, 10, 15 years. I mean, you're that far ahead of the curve, and I just, I'll just i give props for that, 100%.
1: Thank you, man. You yeah, know, I, sure. I, I definitely uh, suffer from being ahead of the way. The wave crashes on me. I haven't learned how to kick back and ride the wave. But, uh, you know, like I made a song about skateboarding, for instance, on the, in the beginning, uh, yeah in the beginning, so I told you the story, like I'm hanging out with pro skaters and I'm skating again. And then, you know, a couple years later, Lupe comes out with the same song and it's like revolutionary. Kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, coast. And
0: away, roll, just a rebel to the world with no place to go. And so we kick, push,
1: kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, coast and then a couple years after that Tyler comes with it and it's like oh my god you know
4: sure. like, you know what that's the second time that that loopy song has come up in our interviews you just talked about it and we interviewed apathy about a year ago and he said originally that that song they wanted a uh, they wanted him to they wanted apathy to do that song atlantic atlantic records hey hey mars so so this is i, I guess kind of sort of off topic right you got your, you got your music but i think aren't you very heavily involved in like gaming and and cuz i follow you on on instagram and I think you do, like, a, a lot of, like, Twitch videos or something. Like, yeah, like yeah. PS4 and, and shit like that. Um, what What is Twitch exactly? I don't know what Twitch is. I, I see it. I hear about it. Well, I don't see it, but I hear about it often. It's like a YouTube for video games or something like that?
1: Yeah, it was, um, I, I guess, it used to be just TV. Like, it was just a live streaming platform. Mm-hmm. And then it was embraced by gamers. And, you know, this is another thing. So it's like skateboarding. You know, four more years it'll be a great thing but uh yeah you play video games and people watch you play video games and kids are really into watching other people play video games it's something that yeah. we as adults will be like what the fuck, you wanna <laughs> and uh, and a friend of mine who's 48 uh now put me on into a few years ago and was uh-huh. telling me that people are making crazy money doing this
5: yeah. and i've
1: been looking for a way to get back to playing video games and he's been trying to give me the game on pc like i'll build you a pc we'll get you a partnership because i'm sure you have fans there and you know start going all the conventions i started learning all the ins and
3: outs right the merch that gets sold through those things whether it was the early stages of minecraft or a lot of those uh uk guys that the following is insane my daughter was like Ordering shit from all over the world—it was insane. It's, yeah. a, it's a crazy. All right,
4: so so that kind of clears that up because because you know I'm I'm definitely down to play some video games and, and that's why I like about you 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 know obviously you got your, your your music career dope music I've been listening to you for years then I see you playing video games very relatable I think you're also a big sports fan baseball fan in particular and you also have a beer now if I'm not mistaken right oh, yeah
2: talk about the beer
4: what, what is that so, about you, you're just a oh yeah pretty down ass or... dude
1: um. Yeah, man, I just went to a brewery. I mean, after, after the events, um, the loss I experienced, so I was talking about a strange journey and unimaginable. My wife and I mm. lost a son. You know, we were just kind of fucking in the dumps. It must have been devastated, know. man, you know? It was nuclear fallout emotionally. So we, you know, we didn't do much for a while and we didn't want to go to places where we knew people because people always ask inevitably, how's the baby, you know? Mm. Um, so we started trying to find out places and my wife's super vegan, so which we didn't have any places to hang out. So she's like, oh, I found you. I like I was just kind of getting into craft beer and whatever. She's like, yo, there's a craft brewery and we live in Inglewood and it's in the hood. And I was like, oh, shit. And they have a vegan thing every Thursday. So let's go there. And, you know, cool. We're just disappearing. I'm ordering a flight of beer and she's having her, her, her vegan food and, you know, we're chilling and that used to be our spot and then one of the brewers came out i was like yo i'm a huge fan i've seen you here a couple of weeks and i didn't want to up your spot but blah blah and like would you like to make a beer boom and then he kept reaching out and a couple of years later i was like yeah now it's time let's do it around the release of the album which i thought would be the release of the album but i um, i think the album's getting pushed back but who knows when this comes out <laughs> it might be out but um you know, we're definitely going to play. I think I'm going to end up playing some rough mixes because haven't hasn't got me the mixes yet. So we made a beer and I was like, cool, let's put it out All well, the day. My album's was supposed to come out and have a release. And I never, you know, but I'm about to release a video. You can look on my YouTube and see. But like, I definitely was in there hmm. all day, like mashing the barley hops, everything myself with them.
3: Nice. So it's waffle cone and, and what? And sherry. And cherry. Yeah, all right. So what got you into those particular flavors? Did they influence or kind of what you like? Yeah,
1: they they're like, do you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, man, I never made a beer. I just started drinking beer. And, uh, you know, I'm not into IPAs, really. I'm not, I'm like, I'm a stout kind of, I'm a stout porter person. And like, okay, well, this is what you could do with stouts. These are some of the flavors that are good with that. You, you pick it. I'm like, you guys pick it. And they're like, no, you pick. So then we just, and then what ingredients were vegan as well? Because they wanted to make a vegan beer because I'm vegan, and uh
2: That We just ended up with cherry and and vegan waffle cone. So you don't like, you like the darker beers. Have you tried like quads, Belgian beers, since you kind of like darker flavored beers?
1: Yeah, I definitely, I didn't know they were called quads. I don't know, are those like the ones in the cute cute bottles?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anything that is Belgium is pretty much on point. Uh, Something called the Three Philosophers, which is done by Oma Gang out of uh, Cooperstown. They do Belgium-style beers, but it has uh, cherries infused. That may be something you like. Because ah. around in Cali, IPAs are huge. You have Russian River, which is known for, like, Pliny the Elder and the Younger, all that good stuff. You have a lot of, obviously, a lot of breweries out there, but IPAs are huge out there. Belgiums are people for, like, that, like, darker stuff. Like, you and, you and, uh, and myself, I, I don't like IPAs too bitter. You know what I'm saying? I, I like... I like to taste the beer. I don't want to like quench my my, my ears like when, when I take a sip. So you may want to try some of those Belgium style. Uh, Always the beers. best beers. If sure. you yeah. look
4: at the bottle and you see like something that looks like, like a, a monk? Like a like like a fucking Jawa. <laughs> Jawa from Star Wars then then you know then you know it's a fucking Belgian.
2: A <laughs> Jawa, that's a good call. Are you playing the show? So I had talked to Mars about baseball, and he, he made it very clear. He he's a like an '80s dude. He likes Wally Joyner. I oh, think. Shit. Let me, wait, let, let me see if I remember Wally Joiner. Wally Joiner with the old Angels. Yeah, hat. Well, he's L.A. Yeah, man. Halos. Jim Jim Abbott. I want to say Brett Saberhagen, Wade Boggs. Saberhagen. Jesus. Nice. George Brett, Ricky Henderson, of course. Yeah, this is this is when we were growing up. He's like, I don't like Juan, Giancarlo Stanton, Juan Samuel or, or Bryce Harper. I like the old cats, like the retro dude, Tom Brunansky. I- well, we all like these guys: Steve Sachs. George Bell. <laughs> Kev, yeah. just keep them coming, baby. <laughs> Cecil day. Fielder. You had to be happy with the Dodgers winning, you know, the '88 World Series. Kurt Gibson. First Gibbs time I ever,
1: ever crying out of happiness in my life.
2: Oral
4: Hershiser too. I think only. Oh, you're Do- you're a big Dodgers fan. Yeah. Huh?
3: Who's the big? Who's the Latin pitcher back then? Fernando, Fernando Valenzuela. Valenzuela. Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. He looked up when he pitched. He mm-hmm. looked up in the in, in the air before he threw the ball. It's fucking. He breathes out
2: of his eyeballs, they say. Yeah. Bulldora. How did you get into wrestling? Because I oh, that's another sport that you're you're pretty big.
1: Yeah, I think it's like you know what I what I feel like now. What cable has ruined for a lot of things is like. Baseball used to come on regular TV, and now, like, today's opening day. I can't watch the Dodgers because they're exclusive with Spectrum yeah. Cable.
6: They have some bullshit going on out there. They, the Dodgers is
1: fucked up. Yeah, so I'm like, man, well, fuck, man. Like, how are you expecting? And they're complaining that young black kids aren't into it. And I'm like, well, young black kids are into it because it was free on Channel 9, you know? And it was, you know, I was like, well, that's why I was into baseball. The same reason I was into wrestling because it was on free TV, you know?
3: Yeah. How far back seven, did you go with wrestling? Channels.
1: Uh, I go back to, I think, probably 84. All right. Saturday mornings. Nice. Yeah, Saturday mornings, like going to sports arena, the Blue Steel Cage, King Kong Bundy, Hulk Hogan. Coco Beware, Junk- Yeah, Coco Beware, Junkyard Dog. Iron Sheik. WF so, uh, Yeah, I, I watched everything.
3: On the spot, best steel cage match of all time.
1: Uh, Hell in a mm. Cell, Mick Foley, Undertaker.
3: Yep. Mm. I like the Sn- Jimmy Snickle one where he dove off the top steel cage. And then he headbutted him, and he went out the uh, gate.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, the. I think before Hellas, I think that's probably my favorite.
6: Hey, you were talking about the one where McFoley fell through the, the mat from the top of the cage, right? Yeah, yeah, his yeah. tooth went through his nose. Legendary, man, legendary. So I, I'm. Uh, my, I watch it with my daughter, and we've we've been watching for a while now. You're gonna watch WrestleMania, right?
1: No, I can't, man. I can't. I can't. I stop once once. Uh, I think it was after Trump got elected. Vince took a picture in the Oval Office with the whole fam, mm-hmm. and then put it on his Instagram. Was, yeah. I was like I was like you can never have another dollar from me. You know? uh, it, it broke my heart. It hurt my heart so you know bad because like, my son was into it.
4: What I said, I you know I said fuck you to wrestling too about thirty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: the really political I was, reasons. I
4: was I was uh, I was about nine years old, and uh, I went <laughs> I went with my dad to the uh, miami arena and i saw hulk hogan and rowdy rowdy piper and i remember talking to my dad on the drive home I'm like dad thank you that was so much fun i'm like i can't believe these guys do that and don't get hurt and he's like well kevin you didn't know it was fake and i'm like what oh shit, man it fucking broke my heart i hate wrestling since that day <laughs> never watched it again <laughs> so all right do you sorry, feel guys.
1: Same way about christmas
4: no, uh, no, you know, well, yeah, well. you know, Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, fucking Easter Bunny, you know, but yeah, but wrestling, that, that, Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, dude, I had all the, I had all the figures, I had the ring, the, the fucking, you know, like that was so all great. that shit. Man. We all grew up around the same time.
2: Yeah. Never, That's what
4: I was just like, fuck wrestling, hundred percent baseball and baseball cards, and everything I ever did was baseball cards. The Attitude Era was the shit though.
3: Sorry. Yeah, man.
1: You just started on Stone Cold and The Rock. Yeah,
3: I, I miss the NWA days. I mean, th- that was some real good wrestling. That that was the best network back then. Real heavy shit. Even the Florida wrestling was phenomenal back then. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, no. Oh, so good.
6: I like back in the day with uh, Ric Flair and the 50 people in the That's studio. That's NWA. That's yeah. the NWA. It was and amazing. He would come yeah. out with the crocodile shoes. Magnificent Morocco. There 10 girls in the crowd, and he was talking to them.
0: Tell them wow. like it is good. Put that camera on that side one time. Put it up one time. Slick, rick. And I want the whole world to know anything you want is on the world
4: check. There was a guy who used to like eat the turnbuckles. That's That's George Daniel George Steele. Steel. Yeah. He got
3: arrested on a New York City bus for eating the, the, the seat in front of him. Because he used to always eat the turnbuckles. <laughs> That's crazy. He
1: was a math teacher from Detroit.
4: Isn't that crazy? Oh, shit. <laughs> from the Are you serious? That was yes,
6: pre-Flocka.
4: He, he just died like a year ago, didn't he? <laughs> oh,
1: my. oh, he did? He did
3: yeah, die. I think yeah, he did,
4: yeah. yeah. Georgie Animal <laughs> Steel the original bath salts.
3: It, 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 but I'll tell you, it killed me when uh, Andre the Giant died, you know? Yeah, that was awesome. I was like, dude, who, he was on $6 million. Who man. was your favorite wrestler growing up?
1: Um the obscure Dr. Death Steve Williams was my oh, favorite so, guy whoa. so
2: Stone Cold that's like the 316
1: not Steve Austin Steve Williams oh, but Steve they were Williams. the same same era Steve Williams was like he did a clothesline I was super into football he did a, his move was doing a, close, a three point stance into a clothesline I remember that didn't Goldberg
6: do some three
2: listen, point listen that's fucking
6: shit? rare dude you just that's people gotta dig for that
1: yeah I'm definitely to the core but I mean overall like all time it's probably Sting. but my, back then my favorite wrestler <laughs> was Steve Williams
2: Wait, Sting, Sting like like Crow Sting or like the the flat top like the flat top like with the all OG the Sting,
1: All Sting, All Sting, All Sting. Well, for Vince, until the end of his career, we had no choice. But he never worked for Vince.
2: That's true. But but I the, love that 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 Brandon Lee Crow era Sting is still a little rough to uh, to digest. That was great because I mean, you like you can't compete with Hogan.
1: You can't the Attitude Era. You can't talk like The Rock or Stone Cold. Yeah, because he was super. He was super Christian. You know. That's another thing. His name is Steve Borg, and I'm super into him. But um, <laughs> like he he's super Christian. So what do you do? You go completely silent. Like you kind of like it's like Undertaker, but not because you're a better wrestler than the Undertaker. No, no, you know, disrespect. Yeah. Okay. How do you keep your face paint and not you know? Because he used to he used to like be Ultimate Warrior kind of ish.
2: You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So I I love him for reinventing himself. He was valid. He was relevant in every era.
2: Speaking uh, of reinventing himself, I, I know you are, like, a big fan of Will Smith, and I think that guy's has had probably the greatest career, like, out of anyone that has ever come out of music, because he's, he's a guy that has never, I think, um, never has taken himself too seriously. He's never, like, done anything that he didn't want to do. He was all about having fun and, and doing stuff to better people, and, and just... I guess what I'm trying to say is, I, I, is he a huge influence on you uh, the way I, I think he he might be as far as music and life and all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, he's huge, man. I think that he could have been a, if I had known now what I, I know, if I knew then what I know now, like about the whole, like we're talking about, like categorizing yourself, I could, I should have just went full on risky business bad man like you know funny non-threatening blackmail type shit and skipped all the walk like a man and this is for shit you know mm-hmm. and just may parents just don't understand type of shit um but yeah he was a huge influence storytelling um and being silly not afraid of being self-deprecating um, but still confident at the same time being unique um yeah definitely will smith is, is huge you know
3: when you saw him in six degrees of separation i mean what did you because that was a real serious film especially for him i mean did you did you take anything from that
1: um yeah i that i saw him before that and where the day takes you because i was a super fan and i was a super cinema kid growing up and then seeing six degrees of separation it made sense um you know and then when in years later when i ended up um kissing a man in animal style video um I took I took some courage from that, you know what I mean? Right. I think if you're telling the story, you do what's necessary. Yeah. Uh, it's not about the whatever the fucking conspiracy theory of the feminizing of the black male or whatever that shit is. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely he inspired me. I remember I, I, I remember Six Degrees of Separation vividly. It was hard for me to watch.
5: Yeah,
1: but I, but I, yeah, at the same time, it's kind of like yeah, was, I felt like I went when I went to see Paid in Full. I remember being on tour seeing Paid in Full because I wanted I was in love with Rockefeller and Damon Dash and. Right before the show like i think it was in boston at the middle east i went to took, took a cab to go see this first day out and it was a saddest movie i was like yo and that was kind of when it was like written six degrees of separation i was like oh shit, will smith's in a movie i'm gonna rent that shit. yeah <laughs> what the fuck and, and that's how i felt about paid for paid for full i was like i have to go rap after that
2: shit like fuck man
1: david dash like this has nothing to do
2: with champagne or bitches <laughs> so you're an 80s baby like the three of us here Sorry, sorry, sorry. Name your top five sitcoms. Oh man, Alf.
6: My name is Alf. I come from the planet Melmac. Wonder Years.
4: Grow up, butthead.
6: Well, there you had it.
1: Um, I wish I could count wrestling as one of them, but uh, it's a different world.
0: (laughs) Something funny? Oh, just the way she said, my boyfriend in that Richie Cunningham sweater, you (laughs) (laughs)
5: sporting.
2: Different world. There you go. P- Punky Brewster. Threes Company. Yeah, no, That's three's kind company. of a, like. is
3: that a seventies or an eighties thing? Yeah, Man, it's no, 80s. No,
2: family good. ties. Family. Oh
1: shit, family ties. That was good. See, there's song. I, I like the songs. I like. I guess I have yeah. to a Punky Brewster. I love Soleil Moon Fry.
3: Maybe the world is blind, or just a little unkind
6: titties hey yeah (laughs) just saying yeah
1: yeah yeah, maybe maybe blossom
3: oh 90210 for sure how was that watching 90210 but living out there
1: um i guess i I definitely punched a girl in the chest over that shit
2: (laughs) 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 all right let's hear it let's hear it this might be the story of the interview
4: go ahead i hope there ain't no
2: it's gonna be
6: hard to beat the quick story but keep going
4: <laughs> she,
1: uh, we were in high school, and uh, I was one of the kids that got had to get busted in because I was not, I was from uh, not the worst neighborhood, but not as good of a neighborhood. And my mom, my grandmother happened to work in the cafeteria, so she pulled strings. So I got bussed to West LA for school, and uh, I was on top of that, I was definitely hanging with the more pro black crowd and had dreads, and like, you know wore weird shit and beads and rasta colors and so there's a girl that hung out with us that was really pro-black or i thought was pro-black she was in a pro-black phase of her life later on it got a little crazy and uh she's like how do you watch those fucking white boys on tv every day nick you don't blah 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 you you claim to be down for your people and i was like i live this shit i was like i watch tv to escape you know, and the same thing at the time I wasn't listening to fucking Dog Pound or Snoop Dogg because my brother was like heavy and the Crippin. and you know I, just, I was like man I live this fucking destructive bullshit like when I listen to my music when I look at this my enchantment, I want to not be surrounded by it I live in a neighborhood with gangbangers and I don't want to watch Martin like everybody else here because that was if you notice like especially with young black people like everyone talked in my school like Martin Lawrence. Their whole sense of humor was based on Martin Lawrence. I hated Martin, I never watched Martin because of it.
0: That's all right, you're gonna leave, leave, right? right? I'm a man, Gina, I'm a to be all right. This is childish. I want you out, I don't even know why you're still here. Step, want, step!
1: <laughs> like no one has, you know, I was buying old Bill Cosby records and Richard Pryor records. I was like, everyone here, if it's not, you know, with that, what's up, Right, right.
3: stereotypical bullshit. Bullshit,
1: yeah, like, then it's not funny. And then my brother, my older stepbrother, his era, everybody sounded like Eddie Murphy. Like, So it's just like, you know, then there's a Chris Tucker era after that. It's just like, it just, it never stops. So I'm like, fuck, fuck Martin, fuck, I just want to watch something that has nothing to do with me. And I love the story Dylan, Brenda, I thought Brenda was so hot, you know? <laughs>
3: That's probably the realest shit That's ever been talked about Brenda was kind of
6: Like she's dirty Like she'd be down (laughs) She'd be down Uh, for some She'd she'd,
1: you know Do dirty things No seriously I may or may not still have The Shannon Doherty Playboy in my garage right now I'd like
2: to see that That Now did you Did you keep up with it Like when Tiffany Amber Thiessen came on Vanessa Marcel Were you still watching it then well, um, I was
1: kind of, you know, I would have, but I was kind of like sleeping on floors and shit at that time, couch surfing in my life plan. Gotcha.
2: I guess if you watched Ally McBeal, you you had to keep on watching. And there was another one, the Noro- Amber Melrose Place it. was was yeah, the one after. Afterwards, that. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah it, it was a little too. Melrose no, was a little too adult for me. I like the high school. It's like I still watch Riverdale. Something about maybe because my high school era was so horrible.
3: One of the guys
6: on our show Yo. is the voice of Riverdale. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> our announcer Roger. You, you got to watch All American once.
1: <laughs> well, I will. I'll just I'll tape it after or our DVR. This? i one of say tape because I'm an '80s kid. But yeah,
6: and look for look for the, our girl Amel, Yeah, I'm gonna you'll, shit you. Yeah. You'll see her immediately. You'll know what I'm talking about. You'll be like, "Yep, okay." Like, huh?
1: Yep. Hey, but uh, yeah so, the, so that girl got in my face and she slapped the shit out of me <laughs> and then my only reaction was like I didn't want to hit her in the face but I was like yo back up Bruce Lee punch yeah she kind of she, she was taller than me she had the reach she was like she's built like DJ Quick
3: <laughs> <laughs> was there any like scuffle from that from other people or
1: nah everyone saw it like they knew she was way out of pocket and they knew I could have like knocked her out you know what I mean hmm. and like I just you know, put her on her back pockets, as we say, you did,
3: know, did, did she speak to you after that or that was kind of done?
1: I ran from her after that because I didn't want to <laughs> fight. She's like, you punk motherfucker. And I'm like, yo, I don't want to fight you. I'm obviously not trying to hit you in the face. Like, leave me alone. Like, I ran to the bus stop. She chased me Damn. and like her boyfriend at the time was like, yo, you got to chill. Like, you can't like Nick is trying to be really cool. Like you, you." Because she called me all kind of F.A.G.s and pussies and she, you know,
3: what a vivid memory.
1: How do you remember that
3: shit? Well, how do you forget it to haunt you? Sometimes you just
2: gotta get punched in the chest. I guess.
1: Yeah, like, and I, and I think that's like, my maybe I remember because I never wanted to put my hands I come from, a, like, a domestic violence household. Like, it was a big deal for me to have to, you know?
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it was something, like, I made a conscious decision. I made a conscious, like, my knee jerk was to hit her in the face because I grew up fighting a lot. And I, I can see myself consciously, like, going beneath her chin and hitting her, and like, right beneath her Adam's apple because it was like there was no way i was not going to hit her back she hit me so hard it was like a reflex it wasn't like a yeah. conscious effort like oh I'm, I'm about to let this bitch have it yo <laughs> it, was, it was nothing like it was just a fucking like oh shit that hurt what the fuck
6: right you know you talked earlier about your brother and um what he you know stuff he was involved in and whatnot and i was listening to hustle today in the gym and you're talking about um You know going around the neighborhood and finding ways to raise money and stuff keep you out of the out of the bullshit um is that something that came from you you know your parents how you know how do you avoid some of the pitfalls of your you know where you're from um to stay in the creative lane and use that as an outlet instead of falling into some bullshit
1: oh it's funny damon dash asked me that question one day at breakfast it's funny but uh number one like because he was talking about New Yorkers, and I was like, number one, like gangbanging has never been until now. It was not a fun thing. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like in New York. Like people, the D boys and street dudes were like hustlers, and they had like beamers and you know what I mean? The clothes gangbangers wore t-shirts and dickies because they were putting, you know, literally putting in work. You know, they were work clothes. Mm-hmm they wore workmen's gloves cause they fought a lot and it was just, you know, you were scared of them. You respected them in a way, but you needed to beat one of them people. You would have to go to jail. You'd probably get shot or stabbed a couple of times and you have to get in a lot of fights. Um, so it wasn't glorified. And, uh, and then thanks to like his public enemy and all that, I just felt like crack was a bad thing and be having a father that succumbed to drug addiction. Like I could never wrap my head around doing that to another family. Um, and i think my brother was younger didn't remember or see as much as i saw and and also like i just come from my mom was i've always been wired a little bit differently so i never wanted to do what everyone else was doing anyway and i didn't care about being cool um and that's why i'm not as good of a rapper as i could be because a lot of people are rapping for validation they're export athletes that still want the attention they used to get in high school or junior high for their athletic accomplishments or that used to get a lot of girls back in the day and how can they keep that attention going? Many of my peers are that way. And uh, I hate being on stage. I hate being the center of attention. So it's kind of a natural choice for me not to be because drug dealers were popular. Gang were respected. They were all known. and I wanted very little recognition, even though I would do things that were unique and put me in the spotlight anyway. I'd rather be seen for being different than seen for being, um, I guess, mainstream. I've always been at this. Since preschool, I was made fun of, so it's just it's never been a. Someone asked me recently, like that. I was like, if if people were really into my music, I wouldn't be being me because people have never been into me.
3: That's crazy. That's a, that's a heavy statement too. I yeah. mean, Jesus, you're, you're dropping all shit on us. I mean, given all the stories you told us tonight and the experiences that you've had, tell me like how does it go forward now as a father, and how do you kind of translate that, you know, to your child?
1: um funny story this morning my son called me as locks he's, he's never cut his hair his whole life and he's six years old and know, uh, uh you know we're several uh separated families so i, I facetime him every day because he's in arizona on, on his way to school and uh he's like he wants to cut his hair and then i said no like what the fuck like what's going on why you know and uh like can you wait a little while till I get there I'll cut it for you then we'll go get a haircut he's never had a haircut before and kids trip out you know and uh then he got quiet and his mom was like I think he was really excited to tell you he wanted to cut his hair and then I felt bad but then I had to ask him I was like oh are you cutting because kids want to make fun of because kids make fun of are you cutting it you know why are you cutting it and he's like no I just want a chance to grow it and have it like I want it like, okay then I respect that um and I had to be conscious not to because he was like, Yo, do you not want me to cut my hair because you want me to have hair like you? And I was like, Fuck no. I was like, you know, and I literally and that's how I talked to my son. Mm. So I'm like, fuck no, man. Do it do you do whatever the fuck you want to do. Fuck me. You know? And uh so then I felt kind of bad that I wasn't as excited about him cutting his hair, but I'm always very conscious of, you know, when I tell him something like you did a good job, I'm like, he's like, Are you proud of me? And I'm like, Are you proud of yourself? Like, do you love yourself? Like, are you happy with what you're doing? and fuck what I think you know it's always like dad I just beat this level in fucking what is that shit called uh, Fortnite and I'm like great but did you have fun did you know I'm always reinforcing like do things that please you that you're proud of You fuck my accolades and, and, and encouragement do the shit that makes you happy you know so that, that to me that's how I put it in the fatherhood like never you know every day is like be a leader be kind and learn something every day before you get off the phone and uh, a bad leader, I don't want to have a bunch of people following him. I just want him to be
2: making his own decisions.
4: Very
2: nice. Well, speaking of children, uh, i would be remiss if I didn't talk about our mutual friend Sluggo. So, it's been 10 years since Felt 3 dropped. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Um, you know, that's always Sean's always kind of ran that shit, man. He said he he demands two hundred thousand to work with you but he actually asked me said ask him about monsters inc for whatever that whatever that means i'm taking it if that's the disney movie. oh
1: man that was there's yeah i'd like me and sean came up with the term a long time ago cultural differences because i was touring like i tell him all the time he saved my life like taking me on tour because like i said i was really a kid from the hood like had he not said, "Hey, here's I don't know how much, seventy five dollars a night to come on a God Loves Ugly tour," like my friends were literally going to jail. My friends would be shot during the time I was on that tour, you know. And it's, um you know, but we would get in fights because I'd say things, and you know, especially with inter- how I was brought up interacting with women. You know, there'd be no three sixteen. There'd be no the rain or the pain or fucking dark skinned white girls if it wasn't for slug you know. He was the first person like, hey, you can talk about women without saying bitch all the time. You know what I mean? And and girls will like it even more. That's crazy, you know? He's the master and, of it. Yeah, so I like I learned a lot just from that. And but we would also have miscommunications and we just had to learn not to be married each other. It's called cultural differences. And uh cultural differences is like I had some girls, I think in fort college colorado that i was like i had pulled off another tour when i was on tour of living legends and one of them was a stripper and one of them that and i don't remember them being very good looking but they were not prudish you know what i mean mm. it was fun so i was like yo come to the room i got these up uh, i was just gonna say they were fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was fun And yeah, he was he wasn't about fun and was like, yo, what's up with Monsters, Eight? Like, they all oh, <laughs> different shit. characters from the movie. Ah, <laughs> oh,
2: uh, so that's the
1: reference. And I thought he'd be proud of me when he was very disappointed in my low standards.
3: What are you doing? Your grumpy paw was in my bed. Were you, were you kissing my hand? <laughs> no. And what about you with all your shedding? I don't shed. Really?
2: Well, he's actually on the plane now. We're, we're, we're chatting. But he said he's down. So can we get a commitment from you so the listeners that have been asking us to ask that question and fans like myself who've been wondering why it's been a decade plus can we get a commitment from you he's already said yes Uh, felt for and maybe I'm going to just throw, throw this out there. Maybe Knife produces it this time.
1: Um, I think that uh, it sounds like a Don King situation <laughs> where there's really no official paperwork on this. And you're just trying to get both sides to agree to something and then send us to Vanilla or wherever the fuck.
2: This is where the shit starts. Well, I don't have any kind of monetary gain from it, but I think 10 years is long enough. So if you commit he said he's game.
1: Maybe I'd have to listen back to the interview to hear verbal No, I'm,
2: I'm texting him now. He, by the way, he says, ask him about this. Print, you play too much. What's that quote?
1: Oh, Print, you play too much. He was, he was on his first tour with us, and uh, our first tour ever, and so was Blueprint. And uh, we went to Austin, and right across from the hotel, there was a crab shack. And who knew that Brother Ali was scared of sea shellfish?
5: <laughs> you
1: know, and, uh, print, <laughs> print uh you know this is muslim brother ali very peaceful muslim i do believe means person of peace or something of that nature and uh print blueprint went to bought a crab a dead crab but you know who knows and threw it on brother ali in the van and like literally chased him like around the parking lot and he just stood up like print you play too much (laughs) coming and through Blueprint, pulling some
6: stories for us
1: yeah and Blueprint came with one of the best quotes that I use to this day and I've always credited him we live in Cincinnati and there was like a huge brawl that we were all involved in in some way some of us physically verbally but it was all around and Mr. Gibbs began to tell Printer how the guy who was well he was about to fight was an MMA dude and don't fuck with him You would have chucked it out and you don't know what you just I just saved you from and then Print goes I don't give a fuck don't no give a fuck nobody's undefeated in the streets
5: <laughs> <laughs> that's true
1: true speak that's i was like this is the realest shit ever yeah um antonio i went it's hard Giante wilder to this day to this day
2: <laughs> the oh,
1: fucking that's the truest thing ever ever said on a rap tour. i don't know, fuck who whatever you say you can say that the earth is flat and it could really be flat I, the realest thing ever said on by a rapper is no one is undefeated in the street
2: amen We're on the internet
5: <laughs> oh gosh definitely not in the internet
2: well no one's safe well look man i can't thank you enough i mean i know you probably probably took like some Sudafed and nyquil and Malox and all that stuff to to keep this one up but um thanks for your time man i know um i think we're talking what 90 minutes i had yeah, about i had about
4: seven minutes of interruption so you can chop down the fucking next little bit <laughs>
1: yeah we gotta fuck on all my cyborg parts drop yeah. those out please
2: <laughs> so we know the album got pushed back and you're gonna you're gonna be on tour soon right so we can let the listeners know what to expect from from hers in 2019
1: yeah um Merce and ninth wonder featuring the soul commerce featuring ninth wonder and the soul council however smith and west built their album same thing um so good. i just wanted to do the majority of the beats or yeah some of the beats and soul council did the rest talented guys eric key Knox crisis uh e jones uh who am I, I think j def had a beat has a beat on the album uh so there's a. Uh, a variety of producers but ninth did most of the beats I think he did 5 on the album out of 12 I think um, but yeah it's a dope dope record uh, The Iliad is dead and The Odyssey is over Nice named the album don't ask me any questions um, and uh, yeah it'll be out hopefully mid-April
3: you're actually going to be touring down in uh, Miami in May from oh, what really? I see yeah,
2: yeah May, May 11th May Eleventh. Yeah. Oh no shit. Well, maybe we'll up because we're not too far away from uh from Miami. Yeah. Come on down to Wynwood. We go to Koyo Tacos and oh, Coyo. oh look at you. You know more about the Wynwood than I do. That's a
5: spot. <laughs> shit.
1: Yeah, I spent a lot. doing of- merch immersed there. I spent a lot of time in Miami. I love Miami. Cool.
2: We'll, we'll definitely we, link up. we um, definitely
3: got to get you in studio, man, if you ever have some solid time. Right up the I road. Mean, right up the road. You, we'll,
2: we'll, you, send a, we'll send a limo for you,
3: right? Not, Listen, we'll pick him up. That's how it
2: happens. Or a lift.
3: <laughs> <laughs> was, that,
2: was that better than the limo? Picking me up with that? You said that as that was well, better. Well, to me, it's
3: personal, man. You I'm know, not driving
2: down there. I'll I, send a limo. To, I'd, rather, <laughs> I'd rather pay 75 bucks to get you up here than me take my car down
3: there i'd I'd be glad to do it one time we picked up uh public enemy when i was in college and i told the guy the club that i worked for i'm like yo i'm gonna actually go and pick him up at the airport he's like why i said i'm gonna fucking play all my fucking beats that (laughs) the whole ride the background and then everyone got in the car and then i remember terminator x was like yo who's this man i was like oh yo that's my shit and he's like let put on the radio yo and i was like you racist bitch
1: <laughs> i was so pissed man i was so pissed but so your beats were dope but because you were white they i didn't don't know good.
3: man he, you know what terminator was that type of guy i know a lot of people love him but he fucking hated me every because i dj'd before the shows that dude always had something negative to say Wow. Yeah. Is that probably why he's not in the group anymore? No, man. He's doing his own shit. Uh, you know, he's learning how to scratch finally, I think.
2: Wow. being thrown. Well, look, this interview is pretty informative. I don't think any of us knew that not only DJ Quick Stories cooked, of cooked chicken great. soup, yeah, but uh, that uh, I think Brother Ali's scared of uh, shellfish is pretty funny as well, but... So funny stories, man. Look, I, again, I can't thank you enough. I appreciate uh, you know you lending your time on, on a day like this. It's opening day for baseball, so we're all stoked here. And, and I know you didn't see the Dodgers game. The, the Dodgers win. I think the Dodgers won. won. Yeah, 12, Twelve to
4: five. Twelve yeah, five. to five. Eight home runs. Eight home runs. Yeah, Sick. they fucking teed off on Granky. They're they amazing yeah, during From the season. Dodgers. Fucking.
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go to see him during the season. The, yeah, because the, cause the playoffs, playoffs are a different eh.
3: team. fuck Spectrum Cable. Dude just yeah, stole that Spectrum, girl's man. stole that girl's puppy. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I'mers. Uh, and
2: you I'm know
1: sorry, what? I told a story about about hitting a young lady. The lady also I ran because she would I would have really oh. had
2: to fight her. She's a very big girl. No, no, no. That, that story's staying, that's, man. That's that's, that's a gem.
3: I, I'll do it in a nice way. You I'll know do, what? I'll it's good for your effect. image.
2: Sometimes people probably think you're too nice, and and by by no means am I saying you know you need to be a dick more, but that's that story's staying because people need to know that oh yeah, no man. yeah no, no i don't want to
1: emphasize
6: like
2: i'm not condoning <laughs> yeah. that but i i was in fear for my like
6: you made it clear that she
2: had the uh, dj quick reach so you're good yeah yeah okay that's <laughs> all i want to say <laughs> mars thank you man look i think you are uh, a really good dude and and not just on record off record and um what people say about you is true and you resonate with a lot of folks and, and you're very um, like you said self-deprecating and likable and, and, and uh, all that good stuff so thank you keep doing what you're doing
4: yeah man hey i'm gonna check out your twitch channel and watch you play like fucking red dead revolver and shit <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no i stopped i stopped doing twitch but it Towards the end, all we were doing was like Mystery Science Theater three thousand. I was just playing rap videos and watching them. Oh shit! Sure. Nice. That's
3: actually a good thing to bring back.
2: In all seriousness, maybe in May when you come down, we'll, we'll try to link up at least meet you in in Wynwood. Or maybe go to a baseball game. I don't know how long you're here for, but we, we've been more than happy to be hospitable and take Going you on
4: the 18th to that Mets game. If you're gonna, I don't know if you're gonna be here on the 18th. If you show up, you're, sure now that you're probably had for, Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's probably gonna be all Mets fans. At least yeah. orange
4: and orange.
2: Every time you go to the stadium, it's whatever team they're playing. That's <laughs> that's the fans.
1: That's crazy. It's right across
2: the street from the Mayday Studio.
3: It's in the worst area possible, so people like don't go. This is easy yeah, to no, do though. We have the connection. We have the hookup for that.
2: Well, you you probably here for just like
1: a weekend, right? Um, yeah. I think we have to leave the next day to go start driving to New Orleans. But um, if there's time, for sure, hit me up, man. Yeah,
2: we'll will do. All right, man. Yo, get better. I, I know you. All right, thank you, guys. And and get uh, a cell phone that that uh, that gives you better. It's reception. not a phone. He's in the flight path. He's in the flight, pad. In the flight path. I uh, know.
3: Listen, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna find a way to uh, send you that uh, fresh Jive tape. Do you want it on VHS, old school, or you wanna? VHS. You want a, a, a digital. Version. Why don't you bid
4: on a fucking VHS player on eBay for him while you're at <laughs> it? Hey, beta. beta a box. Lot, a
3: lot of people like the old shit, man. It's, 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 it's good. Once you uh, send, oh, yeah. Uh,
4: hey, I'm going to send a raven. <laughs>
3: I'll, I'll hit you. Uh, I have your number. I'll just hit you and uh, I'll get your email and I'll send it out to you. I'm going to
4: get your phone number. Send a raven.
3: All right, brother.
5: Please, Peace,
1: man. Take it personal radio at takeitpersonalradio.com, where you can find all the episodes, interviews, and the latest merch available.